Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, June 19th, 2019, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in the chapter more about alcoholism. We are on page 34, the second paragraph, for those who are unable to drink moderately. And we're reading just that one paragraph. Today's readers are the 12 Steps of OA, Chris G., the 12 Traditions of OA, Anita J., and readers of our text are Carmela G., Leon B., and Ginger C. And thank you for your service. The share ID for Tuesday, June 18, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 13,047. That's 13047. And the 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time meeting is 13,048. That's 13048. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Chris G. to read the 12 steps of OA. Chris, please go ahead. Good morning, everybody. This is Chris G. in Connecticut, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening, 
As a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, everyone. Have a blessed day. Thank you, Chris. I will now ask Anita J. to please read the 12 traditions. Anita, please go ahead. Thank you. Thank you very much, Katie, for your service. My name is Anita J., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. For our group purpose, oh, wait a minute, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants and they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters um, affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ uh, special workers. And nine, OA is such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to uh, those they serve. And 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. And 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We never, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles our personalities. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Anita. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you please keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. 
We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by, by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism. We're on page 34, starting with the second paragraph for those who are unable to drink moderately. We are reading just that one paragraph, and I'm now going to ask Carmela G to please begin reading. Carmela, please go ahead. Thank you so much. This is Carmela G from New York. <clears throat> A grateful compulsive overeater recovered for today through the grace of my higher power, which I call God. For those who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether. We are assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. Whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. Many of us felt that we had plenty of character. There was a tremendous urge to cease forever, yet we found it impossible. This is the baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it. This utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. Well, that says a lot. I had a desire, I had a wish, I thought there was a magic wand that I could eat what I want, do what I want, and lose the weight. But as the years progressed, I got bigger and the obsession got worse. It owned me. And all of the things that I tried, go to a weight loss spa, exercise, stay on. I'd lose the weight, sure, for a little while, and then it would come back. Because that hold, that hold, it was choking me. And... As our gifted fellow on this line, Holland, says, this program is for not, not for those who want it, not for those who need it, but for those who are willing to work it. And I thought I was working it by every day waking up saying, God, please help me lose weight. I need But yet, I did what I wanted, and the food took hold again and again until finally I had a life-threatening experience. And even then, I went back to the food. So, finally, I admitted, and I took step one, that I was powerless over this substance and only a power greater than I. Imagine that there's a power greater than Carmela. Impossible. Yes, 
that power is God. And I always thought I believed in God, but I was always pushing him aside. And today, I know that this program, once I put the food down and get rid of the allergy, I still have to work on my insanity and my self-will and smash that ego and surrender to the power that loves me perfectly and wants me to be happy if I just get out of my own way. And the steps taught me how to do that. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Wow, five seconds to spare, Carmela G. That was beautiful. All right, so before I take the list of names, just for everybody uh, clarification, we are on page 34. Carmela just read and shared on that. Uh, the second paragraph, for those who are unable to drink moderately, we're reading one paragraph only. And the suggestion is, if you've not shared in a few days, to go ahead and throw your hat in the ring. We'd love to hear from you. So please go ahead. <laughs> Kathy K. Kathy, I got you. Anyone else ginger. like to share? Got ginger. ginger. Got ya. I can take some more. Star one. Devorah L. Carolyn S. H. Carolyn S. H. Anybody else? Sandy S. Uh, Devorah, I got you. Uh, wait. So Carolyn S. H. Five. Sandy S. Anybody else? I'll tell you who I have. Kathy K, Ginger C, Devorah L, Carolyn S H, and Sandy S. Cheryl C. Cheryl C. Okay, that's uh, a great lineup to begin with. All right, so we've got Kathy K, Ginger C, <clears throat> Devorah L, Carolyn S H, Sandy S, and Cheryl C. Kathy K, please go ahead. <clears throat> Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. This is Kathy Kay in Boston, recovered. And, um, boy, this paragraph, and especially the third sentence, whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis, um, is one, that sentence was very threatening to me when I first came to the rooms of OA. I had been uh, confirmed agnostic all my life and the only reason I was able to come back to my second meeting was because I was told take what you want and leave the rest and I did that for many years and I had on and off absence and very little emotional and spiritual recovery until I realized that um, I had to become open to what this paragraph and others around here are telling me, um, that I need a spiritual connection in order to find the power to let go of my binge fruits. Um, and I'm not quite sure uh, when and how that came about, but it was certainly the case that... Um, 
I began to accept my own powerlessness, or step one, that although I had met many challenges in my life on my own will, this was not one that I was going to be successful at without dramatically changing my beliefs about God and about my need for a higher power. So it's really simply by listening to my fellows on this line that I began to become open to the fact that I would need to develop this relationship. And I'm just so grateful that I became willing and that I continue to be willing on a daily basis to seek out God's will for me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. We'll now have Ginger C, followed by Devorah L. Ginger, please go ahead. Thank you so much, Katie, for your service this morning. This is Ginger C, recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. Uh, this last sentence is just unbelievable. This utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish, and I know there's many on the line right here with us now that they wish the nightmare would end. And, you know, the the gift of this meeting is that many of us have been right where you're at. And I honestly thought that I'd be eating till my last breath. I never thought the nightmare would be over because I couldn't stop. No matter how great the necessity or the wish, I just could not stop. So thank God for that experience, because I don't surrender. I know surrender and acceptance are always my two answers, but I don't surrender. The bites, those beautiful bites surrendered me from the incredibly painful existence from eating. It finally got my attention in the way it needed to get my attention, because I always had that back door open for life when life got a little too difficult and I was going to eat. It was an option. I never shut it. And thank God that door finally shut because I heard a speaker over the weekend and he said, there's a bottom below the bottom you know. Isn't that scary? So that's what we have to do each and every day. We have to wash, rinse, repeat, and show up again. God help me. Help me to keep in this practical program of action because I'm tired and I don't want to move a muscle today. God, that's my truth. Life is really hard. You know, that's what my head, my head is out to convince me all the time to go the opposite direction from God. So I love somebody called the God positioning system, the GPS, how's yours looking today? You know, and thank God we're just beginning. But what's most important are those minutes throughout your day. How are you staying close and connected? Because I have two jobs, stay close and connected and perform his work well. And then the question is how to stop altogether. I may get that power because that power is what helps me to stop altogether and hopefully stay stopped the rest of my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. We'll now have Devorah L. followed by Carolyn S.H. Devorah, please go ahead. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Can you hear me? Yep. Can do. So this is just a tremendously powerful part of the big book for me um what it brings to my mind is my 13 years of chronic relapse using the program as group supported dieting i.e using it 
on a non-spiritual basis. And it shows that I couldn't stay stopped, no matter how great the necessity, no matter how great my mental and physical ramifications were. And what I find now, thank God, in clean recovery, I celebrated four months, is that this is a spiritual program. And as everyone has shared, a spiritual program of action. And I had to be so badly mangled by the disease in order to fully surrender that this is about out-of-control emotional and spiritual bankruptcy. It's not about a diet or weight or, or physical health. Um, and as, you know, Harlan so beautifully says, this is about runaway emotions. I ate as, a medic, as, as medication to medicate uncomfortable feelings for lack of feeling God's love. And what I'm finding now is I was given the greatest gift, which is a spiritual transformation. The food was always calling to me when I never dealt with the root of my problem, which is the ups and downs of life and the normal human emotions that in me tend to be exaggerated because of my hypersensitivity and the way I was created as an addict, a relief-seeking person. So a non-spiritual basis never worked for me because that meant the door was always open to seek relief in the physical world. If I'm seeking relief in people, places, and things, food, as well as honor, as well as um, anything that has to do with self and, you know, getting something from someone, I am not living on a spiritual basis. So the spiritual basis has been absolutely huge that God is all powerful and only living a life in all my affairs in a spiritual way am I truly free from the food, which really means I'm truly free to ride the waves of human emotion and take them to God because only he can give me the serenity that I'm looking for. And I looked for all those years in food and people, places, and things, but God is is the one and only one and the big book so beautifully gives us a roadmap of how, how to get there. So thanks, Katie. Thanks, Devorah. We'll now have Carolyn S.H. followed by Sandy S. Good morning, Carolyn. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much, Katie. Um, Carolyn S.H. recovered in Massachusetts. Um, Many of us felt that we had plenty of character. There was tremendous urge to cease forever, yet we found it impossible. Um, this is so uh, hitting home for me today, and it's also um, just calling to mind so many other places um, in the big book that uh, points out that no matter how much our or my um, uh, my wish and my wanting is in the right place. Um, I must find a spiritual basis. Um, yeah, earlier in the paragraph that was read this morning, whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he's already lost the power to choose. Um, and uh, the whole idea of a spiritual basis um, is talked about many Places in the big book. In fact, that's what the whole book is about. But on page 44, um, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual, 
spiritual bases are not always easy alternatives to face. Um, after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. And I, I, I'm not going to say it as eloquently as already been said this morning, but um, I, everything I do has to be on a spiritual basis. And I'm finding that more and more, um, uh, like not, not just quitting the food um, and being freed and uh, placed in a um, place of neutrality around the food, but everything. Like if I rely on anything, um, I it, it's very easy for me to get caught up in what's going on. Um, and if I do that and then I start to try to control it because that's my kind of instinct, um, I really get into trouble fast. Um, and it starts with emotional trouble. It starts with being disturbed. And um, as long as I use the tools, um, meaning the steps, um, to get back to connected with higher power and make my relationship to higher power and living on a spiritual basis the most important thing, that is the only thing that works for me, only, only, only. And, um, you know, I think that's part of being a, uh, my time's almost up, a, um, uh, an addict. And you know what? I'm okay with that because when I'm on a spiritual basis, life is truly beautiful. Um, okay, with that, I pass. Thanks, Carolyn S.H. Okay, we'll now have Sandy S., followed by Cheryl C. Sandy, please go ahead. Okay, thanks. Hi, this is uh, Sandy S., recovering compulsive overeater from Asheville, North Carolina. We are assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. Well, that was not my experience. Um, I knew I was powerless over food way before I came to OA. Uh, When I learned about throwing up at the age of 19, I instantly resonated with that. I mean, someone just haphazardly mentioned to me that someone in their dorm would throw up after they ate. And I thought, oh, what a great idea. And I was off and running, and I had no desire to stop. Why should I stop? I could eat all I wanted and never get fat. I mean, I thought it was incredible. And um, so definitely, um, even coming into OA, I did not want to stop. Um, What finally made me want to stop was this spiritual experience, which I've shared many times, where I experienced love. I actually had the experience of feeling light going from my heart to my boyfriend's heart, to be boyfriend. I just had met him. We worked together. It was amazing. And in one moment, I was actually struck abstinent. I know that's, um, you know, not that common. (laughs) I mean, but that was my experience. I had no desire to stop. And in one moment, there was nothing more important to me in my life than being abstinent. It just, because I knew out of pure selfishness that I could not experience love and be compulsively eating at the same time. Someone in OA had told me that. They said, Sandy, the reason you feel nothing for no one and anything, and the reason you love only food is because of the eating. When you stop eating, you will experience love. Well, it turns out that I experienced love while I was binging my brains out and throwing up 
And that experience in that moment, I thought, this is better than food, and I'm done. Not that it was easy, but that was many years ago. And when I talk about it, it's like it just happened. I have no idea why I had that spiritual experience. But once I did, you know, I knew that God had led me to want to be abstinent and gave me the strength to do it every day. And one day at a time, abstinence is the most important thing in my life without exception. And that's an impossible feeling for me to have without God because my whole life, food was the most important thing in my life without exception. I was willing to go to any length for it, including, you know, my life almost ending. I mean, and that is not Time, dramatic. please. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Sandy S. And just a reminder, we are on page 34 with the second paragraph for those who are unable to drink moderately. And we'll have um, Cheryl C.'s share, and then we'll welcome more people who would like to share. Cheryl C., please go ahead. Hi, this is Cheryl C. from Louisville, Kentucky. And um, I just wanted to kind of claim my seat today. And um, this passage is so powerful. I mean, it really um, speaks to me and um, helping me just um, with uh, a better understanding of my integrity of who I am as a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, And um, I'm so grateful for this passage and for the opportunity every, you know, morning to share the message with other uh, people in recovery. Um, I, you know, what this message really um, says to me is that, you know, I am different from other people and that I have this compressive or progressive uh, condition that got to the point where I I did not have control um, over food and um, would abuse it and um, it was scary and um, and um, through this uh, vision for you and reading the the big book and really um, working the steps you know it's really become apparent to me that. Um, not only do I have neutrality when I put the, the food down and figure out which foods were causing that phenomenon of craving, but also just um, having a way of life where um, I don't have uh, or have a way of um, dealing with the mental twist um, of, um, you know, that, that kept me going back to the food. And you know, working to 11 and 12 and just having other people to help me, um, you know, maintain this um, closer connection with my higher power just has really uh, helped me so much. And um, just as the disease was progressive, it, it just my recovery just keeps getting deeper and deeper. And day by day, uh, having this um, vision for you line and uh, people in the program to talk to, you know, it just, uh, it helps me um, every day deepen my my uh, connection with my higher power and recovery, and um, I'm just so grateful for that. So um, with that, I will pass.
All right, Cheryl, thank you so much. Um, okay, so we are on page 34, starting with the second paragraph. For those who are unable to drink moderately, we're reading one paragraph only. And a reminder, um, the suggestion is if you haven't shared in a few days, to go ahead and uh, share. So please give me your name. Harlan G. Harlan. Jen A. Crystal P. Okay, hang on one second. Harlan G, I got Beth A, but there was someone before you. Shawnee. Oh, Crystal. 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 Then Shawnee. Well, Tara wait, was F. that Beth? Hang on one second, Tara. Was that Beth A or Beth W? Is there a Beth A? Jen A? It was Jen A. Jen A. Wow. What an amazing hey, thing my ears please. did. And I did, <laughs> say, I did say Beth W. I got you, Beth. Yeah, I totally got you. Thanks for clarifying. I appreciate it. So the people whose names I have heard with my broken ears are Harlan G, Jen A, Crystal, uh, I don't know, Shawnee P, and Beth W. I can take another one. Kaylee D. Tara. Kaylee or Haley? Kaylee with a K. Kaylee, neither. Okay, Kaylee D. Okay, we're going to uh, keep that line up. It's a great one. We've got Harlan G, Jen A, Crystal something. I think it might be P, Shawnee P, Beth W, and, Haley, and Kaylee D. Okay, Harlan, please go ahead. Thank you, Katie, and thank you also to Gabriella and Evan for lending, us, for lending you to us this morning. Thank you for your service. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. This particular paragraph of this particular chapter is especially poignant to me because it speaks to me in a way that few other chapters, few other paragraphs can. From the time I was a toddler, from the time I was a kindergartner, from the time I was a child, people from every direction imaginable let me know I am unacceptable because of my weight and because of the amounts of food that I was eating, that there was nothing about me that was acceptable to planet Earth. And by the time I was eight, nine years old, I wanted to die so badly, I can't even describe it to you in words. And when I was nine years old, I was put on diet pills by a doctor. When I was 10 years old, I was put on different diet pills by a doctor. And I have been battling and battling and battling and battling from the day I was born to no avail. What does this paragraph say to me that is so important? It says to me that I must have that desire to stop. We are assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. And what I wanted to do was lose enough weight to get you off my back so that I could resume eating the way I want to eat. And, of course, that is unreasonable. The rest of the paragraph speaks to me and says this to me. I am doomed unless I work these steps. Nothing of this earth is going to help me be on page 60. No human power could have relieved my compulsion, my compulsive uh, overeating. And that see, God could and would if he was sought. There is nothing that is of this earth that is going to change this fact. That I am biologically predetermined to eat myself to death because of a physical allergy 
and a mental twist. The mental twist is activated by the emotions that I feel. The pain of not eating is too much for me to bear. And the physical allergy makes it impossible for me to stop once I've started. The only way out for me is through the steps. These steps are the only way I have of living not only free of the food, but to do so productively and happily. And I have a life today that is worth living because of this program and these steps and no other reason. And with that, I will pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Harlan G. All right, Jen A. will take your share, followed by Crystal. Need your last name. Jen A. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. This is Jen A. Recovered in Colorado. Um, I am unable to drink like a lady, and it is baffling to me that um, I can't leave food alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. I wish I may, I wish I might not pick up food tonight, right? That's the, that's the prayer that I would pray. Um, and, you know, I think for me, um, I had to get to the point of um, the powerlessness. Um, I have no power. I am helpless. I'm unable. So where am I going to access that power? And it was so, I mean, reading how it works over and over again, right, on page 59, Without help, it is too much for me. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. Exclamation point, it says to me. And that's when I had to do it, right? And, it, and, and then what's right below it? The spiritual toolkit, the 12 steps. And I knew that if I just prayed, oh, God, please protect me, care for me, as I set out to work these steps, I, I need something, something bigger than me, and he did. Um, and that's the spiritual solution is just leaning into God and letting him. And he transformed my heart. He gave me a new attitude, a new way of living through the 12 steps. Um, not first aid and fellowship, <laughs> not going into the rooms and attending meetings or making phone calls, Right or spending hours and hours and hours of writing in journals that I have, you know, I don't, it's a bunch of, a bunch of stuff in there, but it's not relevant to the program. It's not, it's not relevant to the 12 steps. So for me, I had to find spirituality. Um, It's not just a part of the program. It is the program. And what happens for me at least is that, the program became a way of life, right? So today I don't say my program, my program, my program. I say the spiritual way of life because that's what it is for me today. It started off as a program. I did the work. I was diligent. And then something came in and eradicated and took it away. And just it just made it beautiful for me. And I never picked up those foods again. I have no desire to do it. But I'll tell you what, I had to have a desire to stop, and that was the desperation. And once that happened and I found that power, that's God. May you find him now. With that, I pass. 
Thanks, Jen. All right, we'll now have Crystal, and if I could have the first initial of your last name, followed by Shawnee P. Crystal, please go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Crystal P. from Toronto, um, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, this is my favorite paragraph, uh, sorry, my favorite uh, chapter in the big book because this was the chapter that really helped me to get to powerlessness and, and uh, really hit step, like drop into step one. Uh, when I came into program, um, before I came into program, I had, I had no desire to stop. I had no desire to even lose weight at that point. Like I was just done. I was just, I just decided, forget all of this. I'm just going to eat what I want to eat, how I want to eat it. If I die, so be it. Um, I'm just not going to try again. I'm done trying until, um, you know, the, uh, I'd been to the ER a bunch of times. My doctors had told me, listen, either you lose 100 pounds or you're not going to make it. And that was enough to get me to try one more time. But when I came into the rooms, I started to work the program like like a diet, essentially, just kind of, you know, trying to just eat a little bit healthy and um, and use, you know, just, just kind of use all the different tools that were provided to me. But um but I wasn't working the steps and I was definitely, definitely not powerless or didn't see myself as powerless because I still had a bit of that, like, I got this inside. Um, and this line about uh, the baffling features, inability to leave it alone. I always saw that in my mind as as me sitting on the couch and thinking, okay, I, I know this is going to be really bad for me, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, but that's not really what the inability to leave it alone looked like for me. It was more like I just seemed to have very, very good reasons for why this time I needed to eat that thing or change my plan. There was just it was it was it all seemed very reasonable. It wasn't me saying, I know this is an unreasonable decision. I'm going to make it anyways. It all just seemed very reasonable to me, which is um, which is very scary. And that was I think it was the first time that I realized that my goodness when i look at the last you know however um this period of time whenever i'm making a decision there always seems to be a reason to go back on the original decision that i had made and that was when i realized that you know i don't have this like for some reason my mind keeps making up reasons why i need to eat that food um what that means is i have an inability to stop because in the moment um, I'm not able to use my mind to see reality the way that it is. Um, whatever my, uh, you know, wh whatever I want to do, I somehow find a rationalization to do it. And that was the first moment I had a real desire to stop was when I realized that I couldn't. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me, Crystal P. We'll now have Shawnee P. Followed by Beth W. Uh, Shawnee, please go ahead. Hi, this is Shawnee B. from Florida. Thank you. Grateful to be here this morning. Um, so I just wanted to share my experience for perhaps moms on the line with like young kids or having kids. Um, I'm actually pregnant and um, it's interesting that when I got pregnant, I was very kind of like angry at God because I thought I was going to lose my recovery and my abstinence and that's all that mattered to me. Um, and so that was a process of really surrendering that this happened. Um, and then I started to really combat that mental twist of my mind 
without realizing. And I've, you know, living in 10, 11, and 12, it's, it's been miraculous for me to see the powerlessness of, you know, of my mind um, and just how my mind, I mean, it's, it's the insanity really more than anything. Um, but I'm just so grateful, really wanted to carry the message this morning, just so grateful to have a higher power um, that at the end of the day, living in 10, 11, and 12, I can really come back to, you know, really just sometimes like literally going in my closet and like hiding and just saying, God, I can, you can. And um, the concept of surrender, and to me, that's what this program has showed me is you know, even even living in recovery, my ego always thinks, oh, okay, I'm living in 10, 11, and 12, but I have this. Um, and pregnancy has been extremely humbling for me um, in allowing me to just let go, that there is a higher power that can do this for me. And so it's really back to step one, which, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that I can continue to surrender um, and not only in the food, in every aspect of life, um, you know, I'm all, I, I feel like we're all always tired. And um, it's really just about hour to hour just saying, please, there's a power that's greater than myself that can give me this sanity in the next hour to do the next right thing or even in the next right moment, I should say. Um, and I just love, it's just a simple program, like the next right thought, the next right action. Um, and I'm grateful to be here. Um, so thank you for allowing me to share. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> Oops, excuse me. I'm sorry. I was unmuting okay. and spoke over you. I apologize. Okay. <clears throat> we'll now have Beth W. followed by Kaylee C. Beth, please go ahead. Hi, thank you. This is Beth W. from North Dakota, compulsive overeater recovered just for today. Thanks, Katie, for taking the meeting <clears throat> calling on me. Um, I think about this uh, inability to drink moderately or eat moderately and how to stop altogether. And I just, I think back to my, my childhood too and, and how my mom or even as a young adult or an adult visiting my mother, she, she tried to help me eat moderately. And she would put a small, like, salad-sized plate in front of me. And, and food was always served family style, so we served ourselves off the, you know, bigger bowls. And, and then she'd put this tiny plate in front of me, you know, to, and then she'd say, well, you know, you eat less if you have a small plate. And it, just, it was so horrifying and so mortifying and, and so painful and, um, I would, I was so obstinate. I'd get up and go to the cabinet and get a regular size plate. You know, I was going to do what I was going to do. And, um, and she wanted to help, but what she didn't know is, you know, that I have this disease of more, or this disease of, you know, this, this horrible disease that I just didn't know anything about. And she didn't know. And I didn't know that I was never going to recover until I connected, um, my disease with my spirituality and, and, and I was raised in a family that, that knew God and loved God and, and knew that God loved me, but I didn't know that that was what was going to connect me to a recovery. And I had this tremendous urge to cease forever. I just didn't know how to get there. I wanted it so badly, but I didn't know until I was so broken 
um, and made a phone call and said, I don't even know what you people are talking about after listening to this, this call for probably almost two months. And, and finally saying, I don't even understand the words you're saying. Put the food down. That's where it starts. I didn't know what that meant. And I had to call someone and say, what are you saying? I don't know what that means. And because it was a baffling, baffling disease to me. And um, I'm so grateful for the people who came alongside me and, and talked to me and took my phone calls and um, spent time with me, you know, one-on-one and, and read the book with me and, and just stay on this line every day so that I can keep calling in and continue to learn and continue to listen. And I hope if you're new that you'll just keep listening too. Because um, it is baffling, but there's a way out. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Beth. And we'll now have Kaylee D. Kaylee, please go ahead. Hi, this is uh, Kaylee D. from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I um, just wanted to share um, the statement where it says, this is the baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it, this utter inability to leave it alone. And... Um, I'm an example of that other inability to leave it alone. I had been flour and sugar free, uh, working my program. I got through my daughter's graduation last uh, June of 2018. And um, the day after the actual event, I still had um, a half a dessert still left over in my refrigerator. And I argued with myself for an hour. And instead of um, going to the program, my higher power, and that we, we at Alcoholics Anonymous, um, I picked up, and 11 and a half months later, um, I'm back from relapse, and so this particular paragraph really speaks to me in regards to, um, you know, that utter inability um, to leave it alone. Um, so I just wanted to introduce myself to the group um, here out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, thank everyone for being here, and I'm going to continue to listen, and with that, I'll pick Thank you, Kaylee. Uh, by my calculations, we have about uh, five or so minutes, so we can take two people if they're doing a little less than three minutes. Who would like to share? Irene. Jason Irene K. and Jason K. Okay, sorry. I've got Irene and Jason K. So if you each take about uh, 2.50 we'll, we'll be, or 2.30, we'll be good to go. Irene, please go ahead. Thank you so much for this opportunity to share, and thank you so much for your service. I love where we are in this book because I recently went through a situation where I was trying to figure out who I was. I thought I was one of those who could sometimes have a little bit of this or a little bit of that and that I'd be okay. And I dabbled in the little bit of this and the little bit of that, well, the little bit of this, and and it didn't go over very well. I, um, I, I was not triggered. Oh, by the way, I'm a recovery bulimic, um, but I've been abstinent for nearly 27 months by the sheer grace of God. And my abstinence is everything to me. I want recovery, but my abstinence is everything because I have had an eating disorder since age six. And and I'm 60, and I have freedom now. 
and I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful for the program that helped me understand who I am because I always thought I had an eating disorder, but after 26 months of abstinence, I thought, you know what, maybe I could do this or maybe I could do that. And the reasons why I thought that are irrelevant. I've been in and out of treatment programs throughout my life, so that's where that comes from. And I thought I could have this thing and I did four or five times, and I stopped, and it was fine. And I said it was fine, but it wasn't because when I finished, I was thinking, okay, when can I eat again? And the obsession of the mind, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, when can I eat again? When can I eat again? So... I've this you know and I've discovered I am a a true compulsive overeater. Yes, I was bulimic for forty plus years, almost fifty years. But I thought I was over that. And no, it's not that way. So I just wanna share that it is good that we spend this much time trying to figure out who we are. Because once we have the understanding of who we are, then we can take corrective measures. And I'm so thankful to know that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Irene. Okay, Jason Kay, please wrap us up. Good morning, Jason Kay, uh, recovered compulsive eater and bulimic outside of Philadelphia. And, uh, yeah, I'm hearing a lot and resonating a lot with this idea of, of who are we um, you know, the book is really encouraging us to say, you know, determine your satisfaction if you're, if you have this thing that we're describing, if you're one of us. And uh, my mind was, um, you know, confusing. And, you know, I'd say, oh, I'm going to give this up. I'm going to stop eating compulsively. And then if you wait five minutes and you ask me, I'd start to say things like, well, maybe today is not a good day for it. Or, you know, maybe I'm making too big of a deal of this thing. And after all, people say, you know, don't deprive yourself of these things. Eat in moderation. You're only going to have a bigger binge. Um, you know, and then if you would have talked to me five minutes later, I'd say, no, I'm definitely going to give this thing up. And, you know, I get into these arguments with myself. You know, should I eat this or not? Should I break my abstinence or not? Should I eat the thing or not? And uh, those almost invariably ended up in me eating the thing. I, I, you know, I almost never came to the conclusion to choose the abstinence and to stay abstinent. Um, so these these first steps, uh, you know, and the invitation today is to identify, um, to say, you know, I have this thing. I am uh, a compulsive eater. And if you're new and you're kind of questioning that, talk to people. Bring some of your thinking out to light. Share some of your experiences and listen to their experiences. And look at the text in this book uh, and see, does it fit? Does it fit with me? Um, and if so, join us. You know, we have a solution. People on this line are recovered. They're experiencing experiencing uh, a freedom from this obsession of the mind. We don't have to argue uh, day in and day out with our own flawed thinking and our own small mind. There is a power greater than ourselves that is common to our lives. Um, and that's the other invitation we have. If you have the problem, if so, we have the solution. And that's the good news um, that we have to share today. And I'm here today, even after um, you know a year, about a year and nine months of recovery, saying, I identify. This, you people are my people. This is where I belong. This is, you know, I'm part of this thing, uh, and I'm grateful to be here. I'm the saddle path. 
Thank you, Jason. Thank you to everyone who shared and was so efficient with their sharing. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, June 19, 2019, is 13,054. That's 13,054. <clears throat> we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Leon B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Leon. Good morning. This is Leon B. recovered from Cincinnati, South Carolina, a grateful recovery compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.